Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. Today we are in week two of our sermon series called You Don't Have to Be Perfect. And as you all know, what we're doing in this series is examining some of the most influential people within the faith, people whom God used to transform the world, but, but not to lift them up like we normally do, no, instead to see just how imperfect these great leaders of the faith really were and how God chose to use them anyway. And the reason we're doing this is to make it very, very clear you don't have to be perfect to follow Jesus. You don't have to be perfect to do great things with your life. So last week, to kind of jump into things, we examined the life of Abraham. And what we discovered about this man of great faith, and there's no doubt he had great faith, is that he also had a whole lot of doubts. If you dig down deep and really begin to look at this man, which helped us to see that having doubts or wrestling with things regarding our faith is not something that disqualifies us from being a faithful follower of Jesus, but instead it is normal. It's something that we all experience and can even be the very way that God helps us to grow deeper in our faith. So this week, to continue to build on that kind of same theme, um, today we turn to the great prophet Moses. And you guys know about Moses. You guys have seen the movies. So when it came to Moses, you really don't get anyone who is any bigger or more influential than this incredible man. I mean, it like goes Jesus and then Moses is basically how it goes. Because first of all, Moses is the man that God used to help set his people free from slavery, which was a big deal because the way they did that was by taking on the most powerful empire in the world at that time and overcoming them. Then once that happened, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, where God then makes him the ruler, the judge of these unruly people as they make their way from the wilderness into the promised land. But I think the thing that really sets Moses apart as one of the giants of the faith is that Moses is the man whom God called up on Mount Sinai to receive the Torah, to receive the law. A law that then became the very foundation of these people, the Israelites, who strove to live in relationship with God, which is basically what you'll find working itself out in the rest of the Old Testament. Which means, there's no doubt, Moses was a huge deal. He was a man of great faith and a huge influence in this world. But, like we discovered with Abraham last week, when you really begin to read the Bible closely regarding who this great man of faith really was, you're going to find that before he goes on to play a huge part in saving the world, before all the miracles, the splitting of the Red Sea, and becoming this great leader who would change the world, what we find when God showed up for the very first time to call Moses is he wanted nothing to do with it. Which, by the way, is a part of the story that all the movies skip because it doesn't make Moses look too good. But for me, is the best part of the story. So let me show you what I'm talking about here. What happens, uh, what you'll find happening in Exodus chapter 3 is after Moses fled Egypt, and remember he killed an Egyptian because they was beating one of his people, 
He had now settled down in the land of Midian where he was working for his father-in-law as a shepherd. So at this point, this is what Moses plans to do for the rest of his life. He's not going back. He's not doing anything like that. But you guys know what happens when you've got other plans and, and God shows up, right? So this is what happened. This is the craziness that happens to Moses. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called out of the bush. He said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you were standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Or Moses, he's, he's just out there doing his shepherd thing, right? He's got his life. And we find that God shows up to him in this miraculous way that this bush is burned, but not burned. And the reason why God has showed up in this particular way is because he's got some pretty big plans for this man who thinks he's going to spend his life being a shepherd. So the Lord continues, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Or God has showed up to call this man, Moses, to be the one that he is going to use to set his people free. Which is amazing, right? How many of you, if God showed up to you in the form of a burning bush, let's say you're sitting out in your backyard and all of a sudden there's a bush that catches on fire, but it doesn't really burn. And God starts talking to you about going to do something. How many of you would think to yourself, oh, that's awesome. Let's go do this. <laughs> Anybody? I think I would be excited about that, right? I think that would be an amazing thing, but that's not how Moses responds to this situation. He goes on and he basically, he has some questions. Before he's going to make this jump, he's got some questions that he needs to ask God. So he starts in this way and he says, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Which, when you think about it, it's a legit question. Who, who really is the kind of person who can go do something like that? Hey, you want me to go take on the most powerful empire in the world at this time? Well, so what God does is he responds by saying, hey, don't worry. I'll be with you. Moses, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. You're not going to do anything without me. Yet still, even though God promises to walk by his side every step of the way, Moses still has more questions. He says, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Or God, how am I going to explain who you are to these people that I really don't even know? So again, God responds to encourage him. I am who I am. He said further. Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. Or Moses, just tell them that the I am, the creator of the universe, the God of their fathers, they know who I am. Just tell them that I sent you. And don't worry, they know me. They're going to get this. Yet Moses still has questions right? But look, they, they may not believe me or listen to me, but say the Lord did not uh, appear to you. 
And so God being patient and walking him through all this stuff, because at this point, you know, God's getting frustrated with this guy. He just keeps asking questions. There's something else going on here. So God, to, to make it clear, to leave no room for doubt, he then goes on to give him the ability to take a staff and drop it and turn it into a snake and then pick it up again, right? And then also to put his hand in his coat and it becomes leprous and back. So surely now, right? Moses is convinced. I mean, God just gave him the ability to do miracles. Oh, and by the way, he's having a conversation with the burning bush. <laughs> so surely by now, he is ready to go. He is ready to do what God has called him to do. Yet, he still has some more questions. Oh, my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in past or even now that you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And according to some scholars, what Moses is telling God is that he has some kind of speech impediment. Maybe he has a lisp where he talks a little bit differently. So in his mind, because he can't talk as eloquently as some people, he's not the one that God should send because nobody's going to take him seriously. Now, what I love about this particular example is um, most of us grew up watching Charlton Heston ride. He's got his shirt off and it's all bronze. And he's like, let my people go. And there's, he, there's no wavering. I mean, he's, God called me to do that. They leave this part of the story out. When you watch that movie from now on or any of those movies, what you need to see is a man with a lisp, a man with some kind of speech impediment. Yeah, he's a human being. So at this point, God is getting frustrated, Right? He, he, he just gave him the ability to do miracles, talking to him in the form of a burning bush, and he gets, he gets frustrated. So I, what I hear in my mind when I read this text is God is kind of yelling at him at this point. Who do you think is the one who gives you the ability to speak? Who do you think gives you that ability? Don't worry. I'll be with you. I'll give you what to say. Just go do what I called you to do, which finally gets us to the part of the story where Moses stops beating around the bush, pun intended, and finally just says what he's feeling. And you guys know this place. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Or Moses' response to the creator of the universe showing up to him in the form of a burning bush, giving him the ability to do miracles and calling him to set his people free. He responds by saying, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. The great prophet Moses, the guy who went on to set his people free, the guy who was a part of the splitting of the Red Sea and all that goes along with that, the first real leader of God's chosen people and the man whom God used to get the law to. In the beginning, he told God to send someone else. And you thought you were the only one who didn't want to do it. Come on now. Okay, so now that you know the truth about the great prophet Moses, what I hope you're beginning to see when it comes to your own faith is that even when God calls you when you don't want to go, he can still use you. He can still use you. Or for me, what this passage really puts into perspective is you don't have to be some kind of super Christian who is always fired up and ready to go no matter what God calls you to do. No, you can be a normal, ordinary, average person who doesn't want to do what God is calling you to do. And guess what? God can still use you anyway. Or how many of you at some point in your life knew that God was calling you to do something and you didn't want to do it? Anybody? Is this something common? 
How many of you this morning, if you're really, really honest with yourselves, when that alarm went off to get up for church, thought, oh, I probably need to go to church, but it sure would be nice to keep hitting that button. Anybody? And you, you guys are the ones who made it, right? Think about all those who, in the other direction, didn't actually make it. Well, what this story reveals is it really doesn't matter if you want to or not, if you're excited about it or not, God can still use you, which I think is pretty darn remarkable, right? Now, to kind of push this in a different direction to give you guys um, a different way to think about this, I would like to share with you a couple of secrets um, many of us as ministers have that we don't share with a lot of people. And Sue, I just want you to say amen to all of this, right? Sue and I have had some of these conversations before. So what I have come to experience in my life as a pastor, and I've been doing this for about 22 years now, and, and I've also found through conversations with a whole lot of other pastor friends, is that regardless of denomination or the size of the church, every pastor has moments of not wanting to do what God called them to do. Even those who have been called by God, they want God to send someone else. So much so that according to a statistic I came across a couple of years ago, only one in ten ministers is making it to retirement serving a church. One in ten. I mean, I have a friend right now who has been doing this for 35 years in, in churches this size and bigger, and he's done. He can't do it anymore. And then the other thing I'll mention is, is pastors have an exit strategy. And what that means is they know exactly what they're going to do after they leave ministry because they don't know if they can take it any longer. They don't know if they can take the stress and the anxiety. Oh, and by the way, if you guys want to know what my exit strategy is, you guys want to know? My brother sells medical supplies, and they can always use someone to do that, right? <laughs> so that's the first one. The other one would be teaching in Texas, right? Every minister I know has an exit strategy. Do you, did you have an exit strategy? <laughs> well, you made it to retirement, so that's a little different, right? And the truth is, I can't even tell you the number of times over my 22 years of serving the church that I was actually on my way out the door and something pulled me back, right? A couple of times, which happened here in this church. I've been here at this church for eight years and things have gone great, but there are moments when you just want to walk away. Oh my God, please send someone else. And it's even the case that Adam Hamilton who he has that 23,000 member church in Kansas City, right? There's more people in his church than are in, this, in our town. On numerous occasions, he has come home and he has said to his wife, I am done. I cannot do this anymore. I don't need this. I can't take this stress. But in spite of all of that, right? In spite of us all praying, oh my Lord, please send someone else, what I've also seen is that God continues to do a whole lot of great work through a whole lot of pastors who would love for God to send someone else. Amen. <laughs> and if it's true for pastors and it's true for someone like Moses, it's true for you. Because even if you don't want to do it, even if you don't feel like it, God can still use you. Because you really don't have to be perfect. I mean, that's what it comes back to. You no, know, a lot of time, all you got to do is show up. All you got to do is show up and God will use you to do what he needs you to do. Another little secret I'll let you guys in. Um, every single Sunday morning for the last 22 years, um, I do not wake up in the morning and go, yay, it's church day. 
I wake up and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. In fact, I start getting nervous about uh, 3 o'clock on Saturday, and that stays with me until we're done on Sunday. Oh, no, my God, please send someone else. Right? Man, I'm glad you showed up today. This turned out well. But if I'll show up, if I'll come, if I'll do what I'm supposed to do, and then God, right, he uses me even if I don't want to be here. He uses me to transform lives. And oftentimes what he does is I get here and I don't want to be here. And then all of a sudden I want to be here because I'm exactly where I need to be. Right? So, yeah. So what I want you guys to understand, what we've got to get away from as Christians is this warm and fuzzy feeling doesn't mean you're doing it right. We, are, we live in a society, we live in a world where if it's warm and fuzzy, then that means it's right. If it feels right, then that means it's right. No, sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes you know what you're supposed to do and just go do it. And sometimes it's not going to be fun and sometimes it's going to be hard, but it's right. It's right. So you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be fired up all the time. You just need to choose to show up. And you'll be amazed at what God can do through you. Let us pray. Again, Father, we come to you this morning, and man, this series is really speaking to us in such a way, reminding us we really don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be the kind of people who've got it all figured out. We can be the kind of people who struggle with doubts from time to time, and, and that's normal. And as we learn today, Lord, we can be the kind of people who just don't want to do it. We can be the kind of people who would rather lay in bed or choose something else besides what you've called us to do. Yet when we choose to show up, you use us anyway. When we choose to show up, you work through our lives, not only to inspire us, but you use us to, to inspire and transform other lives. So help us today, O oh Lord, get past this notion that, that, again, we've got to be fired up all the time, that it's going to be easy and we're going to want to be places. No, help us to see, Lord, that just like Moses... Just like you can use Moses when he says, please send someone else, you can send us. You can use us, even if it's the last thing we want to do. We ask this all in your name and for our sake. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.